Budget debates for 2019 have just ended and congressional appropriators are on to 2020. Lawmakers are looking at the Department of Veterans Affairs. They see an agency still reeling with change. VA Secretary Robert Wilkie says the agency is in the middle of one of the greatest transformations in the department's history. We get the latest now from Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Most appropriators and agencies will face a big budget battle later this year as they look to 2020. And the Veterans Affairs Department? Well, that's no different. Much of the fight will come down to the VA Mission Act. That's the bill the president signed into law last summer that consolidates the seven separate community care programs into one that's supposed to be easier for veterans to navigate. The Mission Act had a lot of support when it was passed, but there were a few who had raised questions about how exactly VA and Congress are supposed to pay for the program. Passing the Mission Act means that Congress moved VA community care from mandatory to discretionary funding. And that means that whatever Congress does ultimately appropriate for VA community care, well, it must fit into domestic discretionary spending caps for all of government. That could be tough, and it could be even more difficult for members of Congress who say they're already afraid the administration wants to divert valuable appropriations dollars from VA services to private sector providers. This all comes as VA recently proposed new criteria that it'll use to determine which veterans can see a private sector doctor instead of a VA one. Congressman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is the chairman of the House Appropriations Military Construction and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee. For the access standards, 8% of enrollees are eligible for community care options. And the new proposed Mission Act standards will increase the eligible enrollees that can receive care outside of the VA to 20% for primary care, 31% for specialty care. That will more than double the number of veterans eligible for care in the community, and that'll undoubtedly increase the cost of the program, and we'll still be supporting medical services, as we should, in the VA. There has not been a real excellent uh, ability demonstrated by the VA at projecting the actual costs of the Community Care and Choice Act costs. So how are you not going to have an explosion of costs here, and how are we not going to be driving veterans out of the VA system. VA Secretary Robert Wilkie didn't have much more to say than what's really become a common message for him and the department. They're not trying to privatize VA. Here's Wilkie. What that chart shows you is not a deliberate path to privatization. Uh, No one has uh, advocated for that. Uh, This Congress certainly didn't intend that, and I do not intend that. What that does mean is the mandate of Section 104 of the Mission Act, which says that the interest of the veteran will be central to any decision that we make. What that does is, if we are unable to provide a certain service to that veteran, that veteran then has the choice to go into the private sector to receive that particular type of care. It doesn't mandate that we are turning veterans out into the street. Democrats have and will continue to be skeptical, especially if you add VA's total number of employee vacancies into the mix. Recently published data from VA shows the department has nearly 49,000 vacancies. Most of them, about 43,000 of them, are in medical fields. Wilkie says VA's vacancies are similar to hiring challenges the entire healthcare industry is experiencing. When I um, came to VA on the second or third day, Uh, I had two briefings from two senior people, each giving me a different number as to the number of employees that we had. And I asked what 
I would ask in a military environment, where's your Manning document? And you know because of your service, Manning document is requirements and the people who, who meet them, we didn't have a Manning document. So um, I managed to bring over the senior personnel uh, officials from the Air Force Department, and they are working on that. In terms of our vacancies, uh, we hired 45,000 new employees last year. Uh, each, each year we gain more staff than we lose. We have a 9% vacancy rate, which in the American healthcare system is a lot lower than the average, which is about 19 and 20%. I would be lying to you if I said I'm going to look to fill all those vacancies. What I need to focus on and what Dr. Stone is focusing on is where we have the greatest need. Primary care, women's health, mental health, or the, and nursing. Richard Stone is the executive in charge for the Veterans Health Administration. If, in fact, our vacancies were affecting wait times, we'd be very concerned. And, uh, but our wait times are actually reducing across our entire delivery system. The electronic health record is also getting attention from congressional appropriators. The project is expected to cost at least $16 billion, and it'll take about 10 years to complete. The timeline is a big concern for some like Texas Congressman Will Hurd. He wants to know why modernization would possibly take so long. Here's Stone. Let me say to you that um, we recognize your concern, and it's our concern, but recognize the fact that VISTA has 131 instances. What that means is there are 131 data sets that go back decades that must be not only data mapped, but must be confined into a single instance before you can migrate the data over uh, into the Cerner product. And therefore, this is not simply about bringing an electronic medical record to life. Mm -hmm. This is about moving from a highly disjointed system without data integration to one that is fully data integrated and therefore then interoperable. Stone says the Cerner team has mapped all VISTA instances for EHR transition. Here's Heard. I am glad that you know there's 131 incidents of of VISTA because two years ago we didn't know that number. Um, That is a sign that we're moving forward. So this is probably the first time I've ever been um, encouraged uh, about the movement. And and I will say uh, what y'all are doing in trying to achieve a longitudinal health care record is really transformational, not only for our veterans population, uh, but for, for all American citizens, because I do believe this becomes a national standard. Nicola Grisco for Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.